0: Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we plead to you this morning as the God of grace. Lord, were it not for your call upon our lives. The schemes and vices of this world will utterly destroy us. Lord, apart from your love and provision in Christ, we would have no hope. When we were wretched sinners, Lord, alienated from you, undone, full of evil desires in bondage to evil instead of abandoning us to our own iniquities and their consequences you reached out to us and drew us to yourself the gospel came in the power of the Holy Spirit and rescued us from ruin Christ our great deliverer freed us from sin death and judgment Lord, you imputed our sin to the Lord Jesus Christ and he bore the full penalty of them. He condemned sin in the flesh. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. (coughs) Now you credit his righteousness to us and we receive divine favor that belongs to him. You justify the ungodly. There's therefore now no condemnation for those are in Christ Jesus Lord even though we have been fully forgiven and entirely rather reconciled to you sin still clings to us we know that in our flesh dwells no good thing the willing is present with us but the doing of good is not sinful desires and evil habits hound and harass us although we want to do good And, Lord, these were the laments of the Apostle Paul as we read in Romans, the seventh chapter. Lord, we stand like Lazarus. We've been given new life at the call of our Savior, being raised from the dead, but our grave clothes still remain. Lord, we're like the prodigal son, returning from the far country, filthy and destitute, still wearing the rags of his rebellion and still bearing the scars of sin. Lord, we long for that day when we leave this world and receive eternal, unblemished holiness through instant glorification. Then we will finally be unspotted in your presence and we will dwell forever in perfect righteousness and ultimate holiness. Until then, Father, cleanse us daily. Intensify our distaste for sin. Magnify Christ in our eyes. Amplify your truth in our hearts. Mortify sins in our life. Crucify our sinful self-love. Lord, all these things the world points us to. The world points us to self-love. The world points us to love our sin. The world points us to not magnify Christ. The world points us to amplify its falsehoods. But, Father, we ask you this morning to cleanse us every single day, increase our distaste for sin as we grow in you, to hate sin more, to hate the sin that lies in us more, Lord, to confess and to repent of those sins, and to cling to Christ, cling to righteousness, cling to holiness. That is only found in him. Lord we pray this morning. Also for our dear. Uh, brothers and sisters in our congregation. That belong to the local church. Brother Harvey that you be with him this morning. We thank you Lord that all he had was. Uh, a touch of the flu slash pneumonia. That you continue to touch and heal him father. We pray for brother Hal. Not brother Hal, I'm sorry. We pray, pray for brother Darrell. Lord, continue to look after him. He is sick and under the weather this morning. Lord, be with him, Father. Touch his body with your healing mercy, Lord. Strengthen him, Lord, and his wife Mary also, Lord. Lord, we pray for uh, Miss Dolores that she's able uh, to get the insurance to get her foot surgery done next year. We thank you for. The report, Lord, that the doctors can do reconstructive surgery on her foot, Lord. I know that would be a great relief to her. So, Lord, we're praying that you favor her with her insurance companies uh, as she seeks to get this done. Lord, we pray for all of our other church members who are not here this morning, that you may be with them, that you may encourage them in the spirit, Lord, that you continue to uh, grow them in the grace and knowledge of yourself, and, Lord, we pray also, excuse me, this morning for our sister churches and other churches, other ministries, other pastors. Uh, my friend Tony Wood at His Word Global Methodist Church who reached out to me this morning. Steve Mays at Hope Presbyterian. Um, brother Josh Henderson at Southside Baptist in Talladega. My brother Curly at First Baptist uh, My Brother Cody Hill at Iron City. Baptist Church, Brother Justin Holland at Mountain View Church, uh, Brother Bob, St. John at Aniston Bible Church, Brother Carlton at Grace Fellowship, Brother Anthony at Christian Fellowship, Brother Phil at Redeemer. Lord, we pray for all these men and others, my, my, my friend James Patterson at uh, New Harvest. Lord, we pray for all these men that they preach, that they shepherd well, that you bless their congregations with the ministry of the word. That they may be strengthened by the word of God this morning by the gospel of truth. Lord help all of us to stay faithful and true to your word and to the gospel. And father now we come to you as your people gathered as one before you. With all of our weaknesses and failings and needs. Lord we know that we need you. We need the grace that has come to us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, we need to hear your gospel afresh. We need the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit through the word. We need your illumination because our eyes are often dull and darkened. Lord, we don't always understand. We need the Spirit's help. Lord, we struggle, and so we ask that you would teach us by your Spirit through your word. We ask that you would move us, Lord, move in us, that you would bring to light the greatness of who you are, our neediness and that you will stir up faith in us that we might look to you and you alone I pray father that you would remove from us pride and any other thought that would hinder the reception of your word as it is in truth in the word of God I ask Lord that in all of us now as your people that we will receive your word with hunger and thirst and gratefulness so, Father, I ask you this morning to feed us, Lord, through your word. Feed us, Father. Nurture us and grow us by your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. May we're continuing in our Advent series as we look forward to the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we're looking at it through the lens of Matthew's gospel and also Old Testament references. Water is real good when you're thirsty. Amen. So let us turn. We're we're going to look at Matthew 1 and 6. 12 and 42. And our responsive reading, 1 Kings 9, 1 through 9 one through now you can look it down in the back of your uh, bulletin but our topic this morning is Jesus the son of Solomon um, the first week we looked at Jesus the son of David last week we looked at Jesus the son of Abraham now we're going to look at Jesus the son of Solomon looking at the genealogy of Christ and how all of this points to him and his birth so one in six it says here, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah, and that was Bathsheba. Okay, turn to Matthew twelve and forty two. You know, this is one reason why I, I asked at the church to join me in reading through the books of Matthew and uh, Luke leading up to uh, Christmas Eve, because we'll be going over some of these uh, scriptures. So Matthew 12, and I'll read the context of it, which I think goes back to verse uh, 38, 39, yeah, 38. Because Jesus was asked a question. so Looking back at verse 30. Let's get the context of this scripture. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying teacher. We want to see a sign from you. He answered and said to them an evil and adulterous generation. Seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it. Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so would the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented, they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater Jonah is here. So Jonah pointed to Christ. Now he goes to Solomon. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is there. A greater than Solomon. This is the Jesus in which we are looking at. This is the Jesus who came into the world, who was born in the manger, he is a greater than Solomon. And then, looking back at 1 Kings 9, if we want to look back on the back of our bulletin, uh, you can look there. But also, in 1 Kings 9, we see where God had given His covenant to Solomon. He told him He would establish the throne of His kingdom over Israel forever. Forever. And forever means what? Forever. As I promised David your father. And what did he promise David? He promised David that you should not fail. To have a man on the throne of Israel. And this promise was ultimately fulfilled in Christ. That's why Christ is called the son of David. Christ uh, in the human flesh. uh, Sits on the throne of David. And so God had made the same promise to Solomon that he made to David that there would not fail a man. Even though Solomon had failed as we read in our reading this morning 1 Kings 11 and God had told Solomon that he was going to take the kingdom away from him. Although God did punish Solomon by doing that he still kept this covenant promise that there would never fail to be anyone on the throne of David. So this morning we continue asking and answering the question who is Jesus Jesus is the son of Solomon so when Solomon's father David died there were other people there was a power vacuum in Israel this is found back uh, at the beginning uh, the end of the book of I'm sorry first the end of the book of second Samuel but when David died there was a, a vacuum so to speak And so there were certain pretenders uh, to his throne. One of them was his half brother uh, Ammon, Amnon, rather, and Absalom and Adonijah. And these were these were Solomon's brothers. These were David's sons. Absalom actually led a rebellion against his own father, uh, David. But Solomon had all three of them eliminated with great ease. Because they were not supposed to be uh, king. Now Solomon had many enemies. Including uh, Joab. Abiathar. And Shimei. And he killed them. With no problem. He was anointed by Zadok. As the king of Israel. Back in the Gihon spring. Solomon came out. Of the starting blocks. Already. Uh, having everything together. He came out like a. Y'all seen a jackrabbit before. How fast they are. That's how Solomon uh, came came out. He came out uh, as they would say. Guns blazing. All the money was on him. All bets were on Solomon. He was the 10th. I think David had 17 sons. Yeah he had 17 sons. And. I think Solomon was the ninth or 10th or 11th son born out of David's uh, sons. Now, in 1 Kings, the third chapter, in verse 7, Solomon called himself uh, just a kid. So 1 Kings, third and seven, Now, O Lord, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little kid. I do not know how to go out or to come in. So in in 1 Kings 3 and 7, Solomon calls himself uh, a kid. But he was more than a kid. Solomon spoke over 3,000 proverbs and wrote over 1,000 songs. When you look in the book of Proverbs, many of those proverbs were written by Solomon in the book of Proverbs. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and also the Song of Solomon is a book that Solomon wrote also. It's a very poetic book. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which talks about the true meaning of life, which is to serve God, that everything else is vain or vanity. Everything else is empty, but serving God. The book of Ecclesiastes is a book that will humble you when you read it. Because everything Solomon says in there. Of course he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was true. He thought about how people work. All their life. for All these riches and all this wealth. Only for someone else. To take over it. And squander it after you die. Think about that. He's telling the truth. You work all. And there's nothing wrong with working and building things. But you work and acquire all these things. For someone else to have it. Because you can't take it with you. You can't keep it. So he's talking about all that is vanity. It's vain. It's is empty. The, 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 the greatest thing is for us to love and serve God, our creator. That is the only thing that can bring us fulfillment. So Solomon was young. He was like a boy wonder. But God had a call on his life. And throughout his kingdom, when you read through uh, 1 Kings, Solomon acquired much wealth. He acquired the cedars of Lebanon in order to help build his temple. And it says here in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 25, Solomon was very prosperous. It says here, and Judah and Israel dwelt safely. Each man under his own vine and fig tree. From Dan as far as Beersheba all the days of Solomon. And listen to the, the wealth of Solomon's kingdom. Verse 26 of chapter 4 of First Kings. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots. And 12,000 horsemen. And those governors, each man in his month, provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table. There was no lack in their supply. They also brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and steeds, each man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. Thus uh, Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, than Heman, than Chakal, than Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. I had referenced that earlier also he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon even the hyssop that springs out of the wall he spoke also of animals of birds of creeping things and of fish and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon think about that Solomon needed no lessons in Greek or Hebrew He knew everything. He was a great problem solver. When two women brought, their ch- uh, brought the child to him. Uh, because they didn't know who it belonged to. Back in the third chapter. The so said cut the living child in two. And give half to one. And half to the other. And guess what? That problem was solved real quick. So Solomon. Was great and mighty. But he had a great fault. And that was he compromised. He made mergers with pagan nations. He said to Hiram the king of Tyre. My people will talk with your people. And this included Jerusalem's temple. The royal palace. Solomon compromised. You read the first 10 chapters of 1 Kings as we did, I think, earlier this year. Solomon had it made. Everything went well. (coughs) But the 11th chapter, as we read earlier, we have these words. Solomon had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. Out of all this we read about Solomon. Out of all this we read about Solomon. All that he had. All the wealth he had. All the wisdom he had. Solomon had 700 wives. And 300 concubines. And these were foreign wives. Wives of the Canaanites. He forgot the words of his father. David that David wrote in Psalm 27 and 1 where David says the Lord is my light and my salvation who shall I fear Solomon forgot those words because 1 Kings 11 and 3 says that his wives turned away his heart they turned his heart to allow Ashtoreth the goddess or the abomination of the Sidonians Moloch the detestable God of the um, Amorites. We hear the word the abomination of that's uh, something that's an abomination is detestable like you you detest it. So when, you, when I was reading this morning in the New King James, it says the abomination of is basically the detestable God. So Moloch was the detestable God of the Ammonites. The Ammonites sacrificed their children to Moloch and Kamash, the detestable God of Moab. Solomon goes in all his glory and his kingdom was gone and we saw that it was cut in two in 1st Kings the 12th chapter it was easy as pie for him he had all this wisdom he had all this wealth he had all these chairs he built the temple verse chapter 5 of 1st Kings talks about how the temple. Uh, Solomon desired to build a temple because his father David could not. So chapter 6 chronicles the building of the temple. Listen to this how glorious it sounded. This is 6 and 14 first Kings. So Solomon built a temple and finished it. And he built the inside walls of the temple with cedar boards. From the floor of the temple to the ceiling, he paneled the inside with wood. He covered the floor of the temple with the planks of cypress. Then he built twenty a 20 cubic room at the rear of the temple from the floor to the ceiling with cedar boards. All this cedar, cedar was very expensive wood back then. The inside of the temple was cedar carved with ornamental buds and open flowers. All was cedar, There was, no, there was no stone to be scene and then the inner sanctuary Solomon overlaid it the altar with pure gold he stretched gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold the whole temple he overlaid with gold until he finished all the temple and overlaid with gold the entire altar that was in the inner sanctuary this temple was very ornate nothing like the ancient world at scene we're getting somewhere with this about Jesus but what we're seeing is that Solomon was for a while a great king he wasn't a perfect king but he was a great king like Solomon we're great at the beginning we'll say we, we have unbridled enthusiasm I know I did when I became a Christian man I was I was so I had so much zeal I was on fire for the Lord High energy, a never say die attitude. We were like hot knives to butter. (laughs) But as time goes, we get weary. We get fatigued. We get impatient. We get bored. The problem in our culture, especially, is many people sell the Christian life as man, you come to Christ, everything's going to be great. All your problems are going to be solved. You're never going to have any problems again. Life is going to be like a bed of roses. We sell people that lie, that come to Jesus and everything will fall into place. No, it sounds good, but that's not true. Is everything falling into place in your life? No because that's not what the Christian life is about it is not about everything falling into place the Christian life is about Christ it's about being more like Christ and the life of Christ was one also of suffering suffering is part of the Christian life but when we don't tell people that they come to Christ and they burn and crash we can get weary fatigued, impatient, bored The dazzling lights turn to deadly lights, and that's what happened with King Solomon. Lights of pride, power, position, prestige, prominence—excuse me—lies um, of lights of self-love, pity parties, poor pitiful me. The joy of our salvation is gone. The passion for the lost disappears. The zeal for the word and for prayer. Poofs away. But there's good news. Matthew 12 and 42. Jesus said a greater than Solomon is here. As the son of Solomon, Jesus is the greater than. Solomon. He is the son of Solomon. He is the greater than Solomon. Jesus didn't only begin strong like Solomon did, but he finished strong as Solomon did not. Jesus came and perfectly did what we could not do, and that was to fulfill God's law by obeying all points of the law. Jesus came to perfectly obey God's law. We could never perfectly obey God's law. King Solomon could not perfectly obey God's law despite all the wisdom that he had. Think, he was the wisest man in all the earth and yet he still married these foreign women when he knew that the word of God, the the, the old law said that he was not supposed to do that. But yet he's supposed to be wise. We can be wise with human wisdom but be foolish when it comes to the things of God. We can be so wise in the ways of the world, but foolish when it comes to the ways of God. But that wasn't the case with Jesus. Jesus grew in wisdom, as it says in the book of Luke. Jesus grew in wisdom. He was the God, man. He was fully God and fully man. He grew in wisdom. When he spoke in the tabernacle as a young boy the scripture says that he spoke with authority it wasn't because he raised his voice it was because these people didn't realize that this was God speaking to them this was God in the flesh he was speaking with the authority of God that's why he spoke with such authority and that's why they were astonished Jesus was the greater than Solomon He was the greater king. He was the perfect king. Who fully obeyed the law. Who fully obeyed God. Who did all that the father had sent him to do. This is what makes Jesus greater. Jesus began strong. Solomon began strong. But Solomon did not finish strong. He finished in disgrace because, guess what? God had taken that kingdom away from him. He split it in two because of Solomon's sins. But guess what? Our Savior finished strong. And for Jesus, it was much tougher. Jesus had the nails, he had the scourging where he was beat at the whipping post, he had the mocking, he had the spitting. He had the beating. He had the slapping. He had the sweating. To it became like drips of blood when he was in the garden agonizing over that cup of suffering that he had to take. He had the crowning with thorns. But despite all this, Jesus finished. He finished. He accomplished. In spite of the disciple's kiss of betrayal from Judas, that, that Judas' kiss on the cheek—the night that Judas turned Christ in to the betrayers—and the man that he kissed was the one who was going to be turned in. And Judas gave Christ that Judas kiss, as they call it. Whoever he kissed—that's what the narrator says in the in the um, in Matthew's Gospel. Whoever he kissed was the one that the soldiers were to come and get. He kissed Jesus. The Judas kiss. The uh, the Judas kiss is a metaphor for a kiss of betrayal. The person who kisses you is the one who is betraying you. And that's what Judas did. In spite of his disciples' betrayal. In spite of his friends running for cover. In spite of his own countrymen, the people he came to save, say, crucify him. In spite of the Father's abandonment on the cross when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In spite of that, Jesus still finished. Unlike Solomon. Jesus on the cross. His final three words in John 19 and 30 were, It is finished. The veil of the temple was rent in two. The work of sacrifice, the work of redemption had been completed. The work of, be, of perfect obedience had been done. The blood had poured. The curse of sin was removed. The sacrifice was complete once for all. Death was defeated. Paradise was restored it is finished it was not a cry of defeat it was a cry of victory it was a cry of triumph it was a cry of a raised fist in victory so we look at the life of Solomon Jesus told the people that questioned him about signs in Matthew 12 that a greater than Solomon is here and that is the God man Jesus Christ we may not be good finishers but guess what God does he perseveres us to the end we receive God's welcome we receive the embrace of our shepherd Jesus Christ he embraces us we just saying the song Shepherd this morning. The Lord, my shepherd, leads me, leads me, and he is all I need in the darkest valley. I know, I know that my shepherd is all I need. As a shepherd, he guides us. He embraces us. As a friend, he gives us his infinite love. If we learn anything from the life of Solomon is that it's easy as part to begin. But you have to endure, you have to finish. But the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus shows us that though it was tougher than nails, he finished it for us. Jesus finished for us what Solomon couldn't finish. He finishes for us what we cannot finish for ourselves. Christ finished for us, and we thank him for finishing. Hebrews 12 1 and 2 says this Since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the beginner and the finisher, or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross what was the joy that was set before Christ the joy of being in heaven seated at the right hand of the father returning back to the glory from which he came that was the joy that was set before Christ and because he had that joy he what he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, we look to Christ. Guess what? If Christ endured, then guess what? We can too. That's what the writing of Hebrews is saying. Consider him who endured. We don't consider ourselves. We don't consider other people. We consider our Savior. He endured the cross. He endured the, the, the agony of the cross. He endured all the beating. We talked about this. The scourging, the slapping, the sweating, the bleeding, the mocking for the joy that was set before him. He endured it. So we ought to consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. We don't want to be like Solomon. We want to be like Jesus. We don't want to be like Solomon who starts off strong but then falters and fades away into sin and into bondage to sin. We want to be like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And think about this. In that cloud of witnesses that is mentioned in Hebrews 11 is Moses. Deuteronomy 34 and 7 says Moses was a hundred and 20 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. He finished strong. Though he didn't cross over into the promised land, he still did not grow weak. Also in that cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11 was Joshua. Joshua and Caleb surrounded by 10 spies that went in to scout out the promised land. Guess what? He came back. He finished strong. God appointed him to lead Israel over the Jordan River. And Joshua himself said in, in, jo- in Joshua 24 and 15. We went over this a few weeks ago in Bible study. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He finished strong. Strong, and then we hear the words of the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians 11, verses 24 and 25. This is what Paul says Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, that means 39. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. This is 2 Corinthians 11, 24-25. Paul endured all this for his apostolic ministry. But guess what? 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4 and 7. We just read it this morning. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He finished strong. Why? Because of his Savior. Because he was doing the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was doing the ministry. And spreading the gospel to the world at that time. He was being like his savior. Paul endured all those beatings. For the sake of Christ. For the sake of his savior. He knew that if his savior couldn't do it. Then guess what? He could too. And the same things to us in this life. If Christ could endure all that he endured in his, in his flesh. On this earth. For our sake. Then guess what? We can do it too. We can finish strong. We can look to the greater Solomon. We don't want to falter and fail like Solomon. We want to be like Solomon. So I'm sorry. We don't want to falter and fail like Solomon. We want to be like Jesus. The one to whose birth we are celebrating. Why are we celebrating His birth? Because a greater Solomon came. A greater finisher came. A greater finisher was born. I said this last week. Christ has been erased from Christmas in our culture. And we've been transitioned into it. We don't think of Christ as the great finisher. We don't think of the birth of Christ as the greater Solomon, the greater David, the greater Abraham that came into this world. We're just keeping him in the manger. But it's more to Christ than just a way in a manger. No crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus asleep. You know, it's it's more to it than that. It's deeper than that. A greater Solomon came, a greater king, a greater finisher, finisher came, one who perfectly obeyed God, who was perfectly righteous. He is the one who was born. He is the one that the world was looking to. All those kings failed. You had some good kings among them. But all those kingdoms eventually failed. And Israel was left with no king. Then there's a 400 year. Silence. After the book of Malachi. Until Christ was born. As the true king. As the true leader of his people. As the only one who perfectly obeyed God. Did what we could not possibly do. He was the greater Solomon. He finished. Finishing strong doesn't mean finishing first. It just means finishing. It doesn't mean finishing without blood, sweat, and tears. In this life as Christians, guess what? We're going to have to endure suffering. Jesus told his disciples in John 16 and 33 in this world you will have tribulation But he didn't just stop there he says but be of good cheer I have overcome the world he overcame the world we ought to be of good cheer we're going to have tribulation we're going to have trials we're going to be tested but Christian be of good cheer Because our Savior, the God-man Jesus Christ, the son of Solomon, the greater Solomon, he overcame the world. We finish strong like Jesus did by fixing our eyes daily on the only true delight of this world, and that is Christ. He is the only true light that has come into the world. Not Santa Claus, not elves, not the elf on the shelf. He is the light, the true light. We fix our eyes on him. Look, we know it but we still have to say it. Nothing in this world will ever satisfy you, ultimately. It may be, it may bring temporary, fleeting happiness. There is not one thing in this world that will ultimately satisfy us than Christ. You can have all this world's goods and still be miserable because you will be because you're looking to think. We talked about this with Solomon writing Ecclesiastes. you you, you, you bow the stuff you acquire all these things only for someone else to get it when you die because you know what the, what the old folks say you can't take it with you Somebody else gonna take it and they may not take as much care of it as you did restaurants that that families have run for thirty and forty and fifty years. When the owners die, they go under because the children don't want to take over the business. They sell it to get the money. The, 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 the patriarch and matriarch to put in 40, 50 years of their life into the restaurant. And the children say, I don't want, I don't want that. You, 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 you build it up only for it to go to nothing. That's emptiness. It's sad in the world, in a sense, but it also shows the emptiness of things that things don't ultimately satisfy us. The things of this earth, people, are not eternal. There's nothing wrong with things. Nothing wrong with possessions. But don't let them possess you. Jesus is the greater than Solomon. And this is what I want to leave you with. This promise right here. This is one of the most encouraging. Scriptures. To me. It's. Philippians 1 and 6. He. Who began a good work in you. Will finish it. On the day of Christ Jesus. The God. Who begins that work of salvation in us. Guess what? He's going to finish it. We're going to endure it to the end because Christ is going to endure us to the end. God is going to finish his work in us. He who began it, that work of salvation, the work of sanctification, guess what? He's going to complete it. He's going to finish it. He's going to see to it that it is done. That is the great encouragement that we have. So as the son of Solomon, Jesus was the greater Solomon. He did what Solomon could not do. He finished and finished well. And we look to him because of that during this Advent season. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the one, for Jesus. We thank you that he is the greater Solomon. That he's the greater king. That he is the one who sat on the throne of David. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus finished the work of redemption, finished the work of accomplishing our salvation on the cross. He didn't fail to finish like Solomon did, but rather, Lord, he finished his work. Lord, let us continue to look to the finished work of Christ on the cross as believers, and for unbelievers that they may know that the finished work of Christ provides a way of salvation for them. May they continue to look to you, Lord, and may we all continue to look to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.